Recovery from too much exercise or simply too much stress in life can be a hard problem to solve. And trying hard to relax is not only an oxymoron, it's impossible. Wise athletes everywhere need some external signal to trigger our brain's unconscious program for relaxation and recovery. This is critical not only for our athletic performance, but for our health and plans to live a long time. Today on episode 111, Glenn and I talk with Don Moxley of Longevity Labs about the cannabis plant in general and the application of cannabidiol, CBDA, to work with our body's built-in signaling infrastructure to switch on recovery mode. I told Don I tried CBD before but felt nothing. Don says my mistake was a common one. Small doses of a low bioavailable compound cannot hope to serve. Don says the answer is twofold. One, don't use CBD, use CBDA. It is much more bioavailable, so a smaller dose will do. And two, ramp up the dose to find the amount that works for you. That's what I'm going to do. All right, let's talk to Don Moxley about helping our bodies to recover properly. Don Moxley, welcome to the Wise Athletes Podcast. I am excited to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me. And Don, we're excited to have you as well. Yeah. Don, tell us where you're calling in from. Well, right now I am in a little town in Northwest Oregon called Seaside, Oregon. Uh, my wow. wife and I live in an RV and we've been traveling the United States for the last uh, almost 17 months. And um, so right now we're doing an extensive tour of the Pacific Northwest. Fantastic. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> uh, we're, we're like a, doing a global podcast here. I'm, I'm calling in from uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, Glenn, where are you calling from? Places. I'm in uh, Chinchin City, South South Korea. Oh my gosh! I, don't ask me to spell that. Holy mackerel! <laughs> well, great. Uh, this is this is going to be a blast. Uh, Don, you are a sports scientist. Is that right? That's yeah. I'm I'm trained as an exercise physiologist. Uh, recently, since about 2015, I've been using that term mainly because my my practice has changed from recommending things to do to people to creating mechanisms for collecting data so athletes and, and coaches can make better decisions. Huh? So we tend to be focusing on the scientific process, analysis and hypothesis, experiment, analysis, re-experiment. Uh, so yeah, sports scientists, in, uh, you know, doing exercise physiology in sport. Fantastic. Good. I'm very interested in that. I, I would say that this podcast got started with that being the primary focus. We've, we've sort of expanded a bit, but I'm glad to have you on here today. And I know that you have an interest that's broader than this and, and a background that's broader than this, but the, the thing that I really want to make sure we cover in some detail today is um, CBD or maybe more generally cannabis and its use for the older athlete. Yeah. I, I want to tell you that I have used CBD in particular, mm -hmm. um, I was trying to avoid the, the, I don't know what you call it, psychoactive. The, I didn't want to get high. Let's just put it that way. Sure. But I was looking for some pain relief uh, and I didn't get it. it. I really didn't get any benefit from it. It's possible that I used a, the bad product or I didn't use enough product or, you know, there's all kinds of things that I'm sure a lot of people do wrong. And and obviously me. And so I'm, I'm interested in learning more about this from you. Well, let's, let's touch on that because the, the pathway into this, I think, is a, is a decent story. And the fact that 
2015 through 2018, I was working as a paid sports scientist at the Ohio State University. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an alumni of Ohio State. I wrestled at Ohio State back in the early 80s. And I went back in, in 2015. The coach asked me to come back and we were doing hardcore sports science, really focusing on this concept of using heart rate variability as a tool for, uh, we could use it for t- tool for diagnosis of problems. We learned to use it as a tool for prescription. And finally, we learned to use it as a tool for selection. And we can talk more about that as we go. But in 2018, I finished up and I, and I had this unique offer to go work in the cannabis business, the medical cannabis business down in the state of Florida. And the, it was one of those, you know, godfather offers. It was an offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> so I left Ohio State. I moved down to South Florida. And, and all of a sudden, this world opened up to me. And one of the things that helped me make the decision to go down is while I was at OSU, we were in a partnership program with the Air Force Research Lab from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And we were sharing data and sharing tools with the Air Force Research Lab. They provided me a lot of assets to gather data and learn. And I'm and I had I had pro coaches reaching out to me saying, Hey, what do you know about cannabis and HRV? And I said, I don't know anything about it. And um, so I but I started to do some research and uh, a former colleague of mine from another startup company that I'd worked with in the HRV space, he had left and gone up into cannabis up in Oregon. And I had left that same company and went into, went to Ohio State. And he's reaching back. He says, what do you know about this? And so I start looking at the research and I'm like, okay, there's something here. But cannabis is a funny animal that it lives in this environment that that is largely walled off from the rest of the world. Hmm. But when you finally do the deep dive into the deep end of the pot pool, this amazing amount of information starts to come out. And Joe, the thing that really jumped out at me was I learned about this thing called the endocannabinoid system. So part of your nervous system that's named after cannabis. Mm-hmm. Well, what we know, and, and you know, I've been teaching the exercise sciences at a university level for 35 years. I didn't know about the endocannabinoid system. And now that I do know it, that should be chapter two of exercise 101. Huh. I mean, literally, it should be the second, the thing you teach the second day. So you learn about the endocannabinoid system. You learn about these molecules, these endocannabinoids, uh, anandamide, 2AG, and so on. And you're like, okay, there, this is really interesting. And, and frankly, it's the reason we exercise. It's the thing that it's, it's not dopamine. It's not serotonin that makes us, that gives us the enjoyment from exercise. It's anandamide. It's called the Zen molecule. Um, so you start to understand the, the, the physiology of the endocannabinoid system, your central nervous system, the production of cannabinoids, endocannabinoids. And then you can start to understand, oh, how does consuming this um, exogenously, how does this provide a benefit? So this was this was an amazing learning experience for me um, that really brought two very kind of until I got into it, what I thought were divergent vectors in this space, but it turns out they were completely convergent. 
and and started learning wow there's there's a lot to this there's a lot to cannabis that has nothing to do with getting stoned um while that is still the primary market there is an incredible benefit to using cannabis strategically and so that was you know it was that combination of sports scientists using hrv to be able to diagnose problems prescribe work at an appropriate level and, and learn about, in 2018, we qualified our whole starting lineup for the Nationals, first time in school history. So we have 10 guys go to Nationals. This is sport of wrestling. We had eight All-Americans that year. School record. We never had more All-Americans in the history. They've never had as many since. The two guys that did not make All-American, I could have told you the first day of the tournament. I could have told you the eight and the two the first day based on these HRV scores. So when we understand that HRV is a selection criteria, it's a key performance indicator, we then start to understand how the investment in recovery becomes beneficial and, and again, winds up driving selection. Um, but at the same time, this we learn that this is beyond athletics. This extends to longevity as well. You know, I'm working for a company now called Longevity Labs. And when you start looking at the key things to living a long, healthy life, well, by the way, they're a lot like athletics. It's about movement and exercise. It's about yeah. nutrient-dense food and, and, and supplementing appropriately. It's about quality sleep and, and having a good sleep environment. And it's about light on your skin at appropriate times and having a purpose, having a goal to work towards. Whether it's longevity or athletics, the two things are identical. And when you start looking at the ability to live a long life or perform well as an athlete, recovery is critical. And you can't talk recovery without talking about the endocannabinoid system. All right. Don, you have my attention. You're talking about <laughs> all, right. all the things that matter to me. I want to be a healthy person in part so I can have a good life and live a long time, but I want to retain my athleticism. I want to sure. be strong. Uh, and my Achilles heel that I've had for a long time has been recovery. And a big part of that is sleep. And so I don't want to say it, but I will. Uh, I'm desperate to learn more about you know anything that is going to help me in this area. Sure. And this sounds like maybe it will. And so I'm now, of course, I'm skeptical because uh, that's my nature, but also I've tried it and I didn't get it. And I've heard of other people say that too. And I've heard people like you talk about why sometimes that happens. It, maybe it isn't for everybody, but sometimes what they bought didn't have any of the stuff in it that it was supposed to have because it's the Wild West. And I mean, right. anybody who buys supplements knows that there's a danger of that sort of thing. It's not just related to the cannabinoid business. Then there, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and, you know, maybe I, I needed a, a big dose. I know that a lot of the uh, studies that have been done have been done with, you know, hundreds of milligrams and, uh, and, you know, and if I'm taking 10 milligrams, well, maybe that's why I didn't, nothing came about. I mean, I, I just don't know. So that's probably the reason you didn't have an, uh, an effect. And, yeah. and, and this is the important part that what we know about CBD. So let's take a step back. CBD right. comes from a cannabinoid produced in the plant that's called CBDA, cannabidolytic acid. So the acid form of CBD is incredibly bioavailable. 
Um, it hangs on multiple receptors. It's very bioavailable. When it decarboxylates, when you lose the acid, it loses a great deal of its value, of its biological value. Now, oh. there's still some value there, but what I have learned is, and just to put this in perspective, if you go to your local store and you buy a quality CBD product, you're probably paying $60, $70, $80 for a bottle that might have a half a gram in it. Now, to put this in perspective, in the industry, I buy CBD for a dollar a gram. Okay, so CBD to really be effective, you've got to raise the dose up dramatically. And based on the market right now, you can't afford to do it. I mean, it's really unless you have an inside connection and can get your product at a, a, you know, from something other than retail, you have to pay way too much. But when you are in a, in a, let's use the term in a more sophisticated market, a more evolved market. So whether that's Oregon, uh, Colorado, any of the, any California, Washington, you can find acid forms of the CBD, cannabidolytic acid. You can find CBDA. Um, that's CBDA, where you would not need as big of a dose. You don't need nearly as big a dose. And it's more now, and I'm going to take this one more step. There are what's called terpenes. So these are plant molecules in there as well that are incredibly um, uh, influential in the effect and in driving the effect of the cannabinoids. So there's, there is, and the thing that I learned about there is a terpene is called beta caryophylline. It's, it's also called a dietary cannabinoid. It would be considered a cannabinoid if it only came from cannabis, but uh, beta caryophylline is also in black pepper and mangoes and some places like that at, at pretty low concentrations. Beta caryophylline is a ridiculously uh, impressive cannabinoid slash terpene that hangs on, again, on a lot of receptors, pain receptors, inflammatory receptors, things like that. CBD does not hang on a single receptor. All it does is interfere with the degradation or the prevention of the degradation of anandamide. And, and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but the doses have to be much higher than what most people are used to. But when you shift your focus over to CBDA and these, these, these adjacent terpenes, particularly beta caryophylline, you wind up have a much more therapeutically effective product. Um, now, and because okay. CBD, CBD is like whey protein. It's a throwaway from a production in the industry. And someone figured out it worked with epilepsy and it's a good thing. I'm glad it does and they should use it, but it's really a waste product. The cannabis industry treats it as a waste product. CBDA, different story. And, and, and again, one of the things that part of my experience learning about this was I was at a pain management show down in Palm Beach, Florida. We're at the Breakers in Palm Beach, Florida. And we're at a, a Florida Pain Management Association and this Jamaican uh, medical assistant stops by the booth we were working at and she says, you know, we used to grow this in our backyard. And she said, my father would soak it in our finest rum. So 
in the extraction business in cannabis, we extract one of two ways. It's either what's called supercritical CO2 or ethanol-based extraction. So when you put cannabis in alcohol, this is ethanol-based extraction. And they would take this and she said, when I would have menstrual cramps, they would put a shot of that into my orange juice and they were gone. She said, my father every day would come home and he would rub this on his knees and elbows for the pain. And I, I started thinking, I thought, wait a minute, why? I said, they are not. So in cannabis production, like if you go to a cannabis shop and you can buy like oils, you can buy extracted oils. And these are oils when they produce these, they extract them, but then they automatically decarb them. Uh, with heat in the production facility. So they're, they're metabolically available, particularly at a THC level right there. And I said to our lab guys, I go, why are you decarbing the CBD strains? And they looked at me like I had three eyes. They're like, well, that's what we do with everything. And I'm like, you know, if the CBD were in CBDA format, they would be much more productive. Well, the industry, unfortunately, the industry is based on selling THC to adult use consumers. Um, we haven't shifted, but I'm optimistic. I think we're, we're about to see realignment in the cannabis industry. We're going to see rescheduling of cannabis from Schedule 1 down to Schedule 3 so that you have interstate commerce. And um, with that, you're going to start to see the evolution of some of these other cannabinoids and their production. So this is, this is part of the benefit that is out there waiting for us, but the evidence is clear on this. That's great. Maybe we can get into, you know, what can it do? I mean, that we know, uh, and maybe there's like studies beyond just asking people, did it help, uh, you know, so we could maybe get past the placebo effect. Sure. But I mean, things that I've heard are like, uh, you know, it's it, it's a painkiller, like an analgesic type of a thing. Uh, it's anti-inflammatory, it, uh, anti-anxiety. It, people can use it for sleeping. And I guess we're not talking about CBD in particular. It would be this sort of set of, uh, of uh, chemicals that uh, come from this plant or maybe even others. Sure. Go ahead and tell us what we need to know. Well... The first thing you need to know is that THC by itself is a tremendous anxiolytic, meaning that it creates anxiety. Okay. Mm -hmm. It does not. CBDA is opposite of that. So the part of the dis, so part of the disassociation in the business is people think, Oh, more THC is better for the, the high feeling. Well, turns out probably not. It turns out that maybe a nice combination, a real high volume of CBDA, a small volume of THCA winds up being a much more therapeutic pro product that does not have the issues with, um, with anxiety that comes with that. And again, if someone's having challenges sleeping, their endocannabinoid system, their hypervigilance is what's driving that. So that hypervigilance, and, and I'll ask you the question. So if your body is dehydrated and it needs rehydration, what signal does it give you? I'm thirsty. Makes you thirsty. If your body is lacking on energy or nutrients, what signal does it give you to replace energy or nutrients? I get hungry. So what is anx anxiety? 
Well, I, I would argue that we know when we move, we create anandamide. We know that happens. Research is clear on this. As we improve anandamide levels, we improve neural communications, protect, particularly at the synaptic level, as well as going up into the brain, in the amygdala, our fear-sensing part of the brain. Um, we know it has a role there as well. So I would argue that anxiety is your body telling you to move. You don't have enough anandamide on board. You need to produce anandamide. Go move. Hmm. I, I would contend that's what that signal is. And we know that consumption of exogenous cannabinoids also supports this place, particularly in the, in, in a traumatized human. Particularly, we know, we absolutely know there's a drop of anandamide in the amygdala in fear conditioned dog and mice. You know, we can't huh. study this in humans because we can't study the amygdala, right? Um, people don't do well after that autopsy. Yeah, they want um, to have that taken away, huh? Yeah, you kind of want to keep that one in place. But um, we do know in, in dogs and mice, fear conditioning drives a drop in amygdala. And this is where the hypervigilance comes from trauma. So if someone's uh. struggling to sleep, they're either pushing too hard and the system is out of whack and they are not recovering and we're creating a, a problem that way. They're not recovering, for lack of a better, I mean, I think that's probably the right term there. Um or they don't have the nutrients on board in order for the endocannabinoid system to stabilize and, and prepare you for sleep. Um, it's staying in that hypervigilant state, which gives you the racing brain and everything goes with it. And, and this is a challenge for athletes that, you know, so much of athletics is based on that dopamine hit that comes when we bury ourselves, which is a lactate um, cortisol relationship. I mean, the body knows, it knows when you're producing lactate, it says, Hey, there, there's something chasing you. It gives you cortisol in order to free up, uh, resources to escape whatever's chasing you. And then it throws a little bit of dopamine on top of that just to keep you happy so that you get away from whatever's chasing you. Well, we, we live on that dopamine. Well, Turns out that runner's high is probably an anandamide-driven event. There's several papers on this in the literature. Um, there's several papers on this. It's an anandamide-driven event. If you have too much lactate in on top of that, it's problematic. So we're starting to understand the value of training zones and building this into our physiology. Uh -huh. But at the same time, based on your lifestyle, you may not have the recovery. You may have a situation where you're getting chased all the time. And consuming some exogenous cannabinoids can be beneficial. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I can remember at times in my life when I wasn't getting enough exercise. So sort of the opposite of what you're describing. But sure. when I wasn't getting enough exercise and maybe I would have some anxiety around, you know, a big presentation I was going to have to give in, uh, you know, the next day. Uh, and if I went and did a workout, I always felt much better. Absolutely. So, the, you know, what you're saying rings true. And on the opposite side, not recovering does feel like it's a it, it's just being on all the time. That I'm, I'm running from the tiger all the time, you know. And I can do it for a while, but eventually, uh, you know, I start to fall apart. So you're saying that the cannabinoids, the exogenous, you know, the external, can help my body to kind of get that 
calming effect that the exercise gave me when I needed it, when I was had anxiety about, you know, something else in my life. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any doubt about that. And our challenge is, Joe, is that listen, we all we all love to train hard. You know, for a, for the longest time, training harder was the metric that we used to determine can I be successful. Yeah. Um, well, now everyone trains hard. Everyone goes hard. And what we've learned is that th there's a rhythm that we have to get into. We have to train hard. We have to recover. We have to train hard. We have to recover. We have to do training doesn't require recovery. There's training that does not recover require recovery. Um, Active but, recovery. Yeah, yeah. So, so ultimately it's about us being in tune and this is one of the reasons i like that variable of heart rate variability you know i don't know if you wear an aura ring or something like sure. that for me hrv is that thirty thousand foot um indicator it's it's the thing that i use to take a look at you know there's times when I want my HRV to be low, I, you know, there's times where I want to go through a training block. I'm going to bury myself and it might be a two, three, four day hard training block. Um, but I know that I need to recover from that. And, um, so it's that recovery training relationship, but I want to throw in the point without we live in environments now where we may not have ready access to the nutrients necessary for recovery or anything else that we do. So this is where supplementation comes from. This is the whole idea of supplementation. Um, so there's times when you need to strategically bring exogenous molecules into your diet through other things other than food. And in order to support this process, particularly if it's a sport-based process, because, you know, sport, particularly high-level sport, it is, is frankly, is outside the range of our genetics. Um, we genetically did not evolve to run marathons and climb Mount Everest and do these things. Um, these, these are a stretch on our genetics. Our genetics are hunter-gatherer genetics, and when it comes right down to it. Um, so anything that you're doing beyond the hunter-gatherer realm, you also have to schedule recovery to balance that. Um, so, you know, if, if you're doing the super hard training, right, you know, listen, we, you know, the, the, the athletes do amazing things, but it takes amazing support physically, nutritionally, psychologically, spiritually, um, to support those athletes. Cause it's way outside our genetic, our genetic boundaries, not outside the capabilities, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I watch people decide to run a marathon. And I'm thinking to myself, genetically, based on you physically, that's the stupidest goal you could ever set for yourself. Um, you know, for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a six foot tall, 280 pound guy that has the genetics to pick up heavy shit. Um, <laughs> you know, the, Don Moxley's got no business running marathons. Okay. Maybe at the edge of my, at the edge of my capabilities, maybe a 10K, maybe. That's the reason I like cycling so much. You know, I've, I wrestled for 13 years. By the time I was done wrestling, I'd had five knee surgeries. I've now, uh, I'm, I'm now up to eight knee surgeries. R running for me is gone. Yeah. Cycling for me is my tool. Um, awesome. but the, but along the way, you've got to make sure that you're supporting these decisions, these training decisions 
with recovery decisions that are appropriate to your genetics and appropriate to your phenotype and genotype. Awesome. Well, so, I mean, it's not news, probably to anybody, that recovery is important. The, the problem is you can't just tell your body, okay, now it's time to recover. Go do that. <laughs> no. You know, okay, ready, it's time to go to sleep now. All right, see how good that works for you. So, you, you know, you, you need, you, I mean, maybe you can get yourself, you know, with some uh, behavioral therapy or something and get yourself back to the way it was when I was a teenager. And I could, man, I could go to sleep anytime. I could sleep as long as I was allowed to. Uh, I could recover from anything. Um, but I, I'm not like that now. And, 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 I'm, and I'm not even really hoping to get back to being able to do that. <laughs> what I really want is a a set of arrows in my quiver that I can pull out and use as needed. And one of the arrows that I want is the arrow that says to my body, recover. Mm -hmm. And I, and I probably have things that I need to do, you know, meditation and I need to, I need a wind down routine and I need to not eat too late. I need to not work out too late. I need to have good light hygiene, I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I need to do the things that I need to do. But there's plenty of things that I cannot control consciously about myself, my, the way my brain works, the way my, uh, you know, nervous system works. So if, if um, this cannabinoid supplementation could help me to turn those knobs when I wanted to, when I, when that would fit into my schedule, right, that would be a huge benefit for me. Is that what you're saying that this can do? That's exact. Well, that's exactly. And, and we actually developed a product that is based on CBD, CBDA, beta caryophylline. We also have a bunch of fish oils and other recovery tools in it. But the first thing we saw when we started running samples of this was people's sleep. The, the comment on their sleep was just off the charts. People who were struggling to sleep that were using medications to help sleep are coming back to us saying, hey, I'm not taking these anymore. I take your product. I sleep like a king. And it makes, and oh, by the way, my HRV improved too. Um, Sweet. You cannot improve HRV, which is that readiness score. That HRV is, you know, I like to use it as, you know, am I ready to get into a fight? And if I have to, and, and I'm talking about a big fight. I mean, if there's a life-threatening fight coming up, I want to go into that with every resource I have. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll know I have that when I've maxed out my HRV. Um, and I also know that when I have a run of days that are either too much training, not enough recovery, too much travel, too many stressors, I see a consistent drop in my HRV. And it, and you know what? When my HRV is a lot low, I got no, I got no business getting into a fight. When my HRV is high, now it's not like I go pick fights, but if one broke out, I sure wouldn't back out of it. Um, right. So, and I, this is, this is one of the things I think as an athlete, as a human, we want to pay attention to. Am I doing the things to raise that HRV as high as I can? Um, and this is where that comes from. The appropriate level of exercise, the appropriate level of nutrients, getting sleep, getting your sleep fixed, the appropriate level of light. Light is a nutrient. And, and, and the challenge is this, Joe, is that I, I do my talk. I do. I talk about that we live in aquariums. 
that if you take a killer whale from the wild and you put it in an aquarium like a sea world one of the things you see that happens is that the killer whales that are raised in 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 an aquarium their dorsal fin bends over the ones in the wilds are straight yeah. so there's not there's not the appropriate level of environmental force for that killer whale to express their dna in an aquarium we know that if you take a zoo animal particularly the big cats you put them in the old zoo cells concrete blocks they get they're they're neurotic they have digestive problems they live an average of three and a half years you know their their, their neuroticism and the digest is like your neighbor i mean that's that's what you wind up with and you know i just came across the study the other day that if you have a mouse that lives in a research cage un, unenriched and you put a bottle of an opiate laced water in there and a bottle of regular water that mouse will eat will drink the opiate water till it kills itself if you take that same research mouse and put it into an enhanced research cage, it won't touch the opiates. Um, so we live in aquariums. We live in cages. We go from our house cage and aquarium to our car cage and aquarium to our work cage and aquarium. We have aquariums creating uh, restrictions around us all the time. The question is, as higher thinking animals, do we recognize this and are we doing things to feed our phenotype, feed our genotype in a, in a, in a manner that lets it express itself to a maximum level? And that's where those key points. And by the way, part of the problem with living in aquariums is we may not have all the nutrients. We may not move enough. So we have to use our brains to say, okay, how do we supplement this correctly in order to more effectively live in our, in our aquarium environments? Right. Okay. Well, right. Because I can't get out of my aquarium environment. Uh, no, you now, can't. I probably can do a little better than I am doing at the moment, but I'm sort of stuck being a civilized person. And, and sure, so we I all are. adapt to that as well as that I can. Now, I want to ask you some more questions about the cannabinoid uh, plant and how to benefit from it and, and, and kind of exhaust that a little bit more sure. before we get into, uh, but I do want to hear more about this uh, product um, that you were describing. Okay, so I, uh, tell us about how you can take the, get these chemicals into your body. I mean, obviously you can smoke them. You know, yeah. you, you burn it somehow and then these chemicals get into air that you breathe into your lungs and then it goes through however your lungs work to get right. into your uh, bloodstream. I have never liked doing anything like that. I don't, I don't want either. things in my lungs. Yeah, um, I don't either. But apparently that's a pretty effective way of getting drugs into your system. Well, smoking smoking cannabis does two things. Number one... It, it first, the big thing it does is it decarboxylates the THC. THC um, coming out of the plant is not psychoactive. It's not until we heat it and it decarbs that it becomes psychoactive and that THC can bond to the CB1 receptor on your central nervous system. So that's one of the reasons that, or you bake it into brownies or things like that. Heat decarbs the THC. Heat also decarbs the CBDA, which is not something you're looking for. I'm not a proponent of smoking or vaping. I do not want to put that in my lungs. There are very effective ways of getting those molecules in across the gut, across the buckle, transdermally. There's lots of great 
ways to get those molecules into your system that lead to the pain relief, that lead to the anti-inflammatory, that lead to the benefits that you're looking for, and they never touch your lungs. So first of all, first of all, I, I don't, listen, I'll smoke occasionally once or once a year, once every two years, something like that, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll almost ceremonially. Um, and I, and I'm not, I, I don't have a huge problem with that. Um, I rarely use THC. I use a large amount of CBDA, beta caryophylline, the, the long chain cannabinoids. And I, I personally, listen, I don't have to deal with drug testing. So I like a lot of CBDA, a little bit of THCA, and uh-huh. the accompanying cannabinoids. That's what works best for me. Okay. Um, and, and I use them orally. Goes through your mouth, down through your gut, goes through the first pass liver, first first pass in the liver, and and boom, we're off and rolling. Because okay, um, so you're and, talking about you're eating it as opposed yes. to like an oil in your mouth that goes through. Listen, I also like. Here's one of the reasons I eat it because the products I use are typically made out of cannabis extracts and fish oil, which are two of the nastiest tasting things you ever tried in your life. Um, <laughs> So you can use CBDA, you can use CBD that's in coconut oil transdermally, but we already talked about the fact that you probably need a lot more than what you're getting in that dosage. Um, so I want a little bit higher. I want those fish oil molecules as well. So I'm going through my gut and, and hopefully not tasting it as it goes down. I got you. Okay, so the, the three... I guess maybe four ways. One, that you can smoke it, um, mm-hmm. which we don't like because we don't want to put stuff in our lungs. Um, you can, um, uh, the, what I did when I tried it a few years ago, it was like a dr- eyedropper of oil and I would just put it under my tongue and it would right. kind of absorb through whatever. I don't know that's how called, that works. That's called crossing the buckle. That's that's crossing the membrane in your mouth. It goes right into the bloodstream. It's a great delivery system. Okay. Um, the third way that we talked about, and you said you do, is you you eat it. Um, Cons- so yeah. I guess it, you it, you having to be careful to eat the right thing uh, so that it's bioavailable. Because th- I guess when you eat things, the downside is that it goes to your liver, and your liver changes can do things, stuff. Can do things. Yeah. This is, and I don't I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's tried an edible, a THC edible. Because one of the challenges with THC, when you eat it, it goes through the liver. It goes through what's called the first pass effect in the liver. And delta-9 THC becomes 11-hydroxy THC, which bonds to the CBD1 receptor five times greater than regular delta-9. So people who struggle with edibles, that's why it's going through that first pass effect. And it's not the same as smoking or vaping or anything else. Huh. So, again, understanding the molecule you're working with and the physiology of that molecule, that's always a, that's always a good thing to have knowledge of before you, you know, jump in the pool. Sure. And I guess this is, cannabis is not new to the human race. No. But figuring out how to use parts of it for different purposes, I guess we're really just figuring that out. And so the consumer has got to educate themselves. Absolutely. What are they trying to accomplish? What are the things that they have access to that could help them to accomplish that? And mm-hmm. then they've got to figure out the dosing 
um, which is something important. And I want to come right back to that because the, the fourth way, I think, that you can get these chemicals into your body, you talked about Transdermal. the Jamaican woman's father uh, yeah. who rubbed it on his elbows and his knees. So you can, it can absorb through your skin, I guess, yeah. is the fourth way. Is that right? Very, very effectively. It's a, okay, it's a, great. it's a great delivery system transdermally. Okay. And I actually have a little bit of experience with that with, I have some knee pain and I was using an analgesic I would put on my knees and I, for my whole life thought, oh, that's garbage. You know, you don't want that. Well, my God, that stuff works. I mean, yes, it, it totally sure <laughs> cuts the pain. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Okay. So dosage. I, I mean, I've heard things like if you take the wrong dose, it actually can cause problems instead of solving problems and that the dosing is really tricky and it's very individual. And let me read to you what I had uh, heard and, and you can tell me whether this made any sense, but it was start low, go slow. And the advice was to start with CBD, five milligrams a dose twice a day, increase by 10 milligrams a day uh, for two or three days until you get whatever benefit you were looking for. If you haven't gotten there by 40 milligrams a day, then you start adding THC to that, starting at two and a half milligrams a day, and you go up to 40 milligrams per day. So rather than going into the specifics of dosing, let me let's let's stick with some guidelines. All right. I agree with you. I agree with the start low, go slow concept that always works well, particularly if THC is involved. Um, THC can create problems. It probably creates as problems for non-users or non-cannabis experienced people as it does benefit. Okay. But that go start low, go slow. And in fact, we recommend that with our product now. Because some people just don't react to cannabis the same. Now, we, we have, we've run a couple open label studies on our product and it was really interesting to see. Certainly body mass size was an issue. Uh, gender was an issue. So you got to pay attention to it. But we, our regular dosage, our recommended dosage is, is three, uh, gel caps a day, which is about 150 milligrams of our cannabis. Uh, our cannabinoid blend, but we recommend that you start with one gel cap, work your way up over a two or three days, and then, and I've, I'm regularly counseling people to increase their dose four or five, and it's usually men, and it's usually bigger men. Personally, I take eight of our gel caps a night. Huh. Um, I'm, I'm a real big guy. I'm 280 pounds. I'm pretty physically active. Um, I've got a lot of yeah, I, listen, I, you know, I'm 61 years old and a former college athlete, and I've beaten myself up pretty good. Eight knee surgeries. Eight knee surgeries, yep, and I'm usually managing something around those. So that there's, there's a big range. So start low, go slow is a great recommendation. Most, listen, I think there are good doctors, nutritionists, there are good people around the country that you can interface with. And I think anytime that you're talking about a dose of something, you need to be looking at the whole picture. What is your exercise? What are your other nutritional consumptions? What, are, you know, what is the whole picture before you just, 
HRV Plus, the product we make, I've said many times, is not a silver bullet. Just because you take it doesn't mean your sleep's going to get better or your HRV is going to improve. For some people, it has not. Most people, it does. But there's certainly... And, and, and Joe, listen, we know there's a dose effect with exercise. We know there's a dose effect with ribeyes. We know there's a dose effect with men, with most of the things in our life. And you got to, you're constantly doing an N of one experiment with yourself. Um, and this is one of the challenges. We've kind of conditioned our public, you know, Advil, you take two, you don't take three, you don't take one, you take two. And I think, and I think you, when you're dealing with natural products, again, cannabis extract and fish oils, you have to, you have to look at it a little bit more critically. Um, you have to look at it strategically. Um, and having someone to work with you on this is, is a good idea. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot of great functional medicine doctors out there that have chosen to step away from, insurance-based reimbursement medicine and work more on a work more on a okay let me work with you directly and not worry about you know seeing you for 15 minutes writing a script and getting out of the room yeah um so i think having that advisor having that coach having someone in your life that can and and listen by the way we believe in this if you buy our product you get a, you get an, an email about two weeks afterwards that invites you to have a call with me. Um, so so we we back this up. Uh, so whether it's our spermidine product for longevity or it's our our, our HRV product for performance, um, you know that's why I'm here. Um, I get a lot of questions about stuff outside that field that I have to be careful about, but um, having access to someone in this is always a good asset. Listen. Joe, if you're going to ride, if you're going to ride your bike in the Olympics, you get a coach, okay? Because that person has an eye that you don't have. If you're, if you're, if you know, this is the same thing with your health, and and cannabis, cannabinoids, anxiety, all these things can fit into that, can fit into that jar. Oh, I believe in this. This, I'm, I'm a hundred percent. I haven't always been like. Had, I haven't always had this wisdom, but I, I have come around, I assure you. It's amazing what happens when we suppress our ego and, uh, let, <laughs> and let the rest of our brain work, isn't it? Yeah, really, how much everything gets better. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about the older athlete here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me, that's Glenn, hell, that's you, and that's the audience here, wise athletes. Okay, we're mostly not just taking one thing, right. right? I'm taking a statin. Generally speaking, people, they've got some chronic thing that they're dealing with. They've been trying to compensate for, let's just say age for some time, and they've got a bucket full of pills that they buy off of Amazon or GNC or wherever they go. Right. And so what does this, this cannabinoids and, you know, and maybe other things that we've talked about here, how well does it play with others? Tends to play very well. Um, I, but with that said, I would absolutely have the conversation with my doctor about how will this interact with what you've recommended that I take your writing a script for. Now, if that doctor says, I don't know anything about this product, you should not use it and just take the pill, I'd find a new doctor. Yeah. I'd go find someone 
Joe, cannabis was part of the U.S. pharmacopoeia, meaning it was part of the list of drugs that doctors recommended in the United States until 1948. Okay. Huh. It was the, it was the Cannabis Tax Act of 1948 that started to suppress cannabis consumption as medicine. It's an ancient medicine. We're starting to see it come back. Um, and again, we're start, we're going to see rescheduling. It's an incredible product. Cannabinoids are incredible products, particularly in the time that we're in, but particularly with trauma, particularly with this overtraining, these things that go into that. Yeah. So I, I would make sure that I'm working with someone that is not fearful and you, and there's no reason to be fearful of cannabis by itself. I can drown in water. Water can be terminal if I get it above my nose and my mouth for too long. Okay. Sure. The dose makes the poison. That's exactly it. And if I'm working with someone, I want to work with someone who understands the endocannabinoid system, has at least heard the word yeah. that recognizes that there are receptors, CB1, CB2. And by the time we're done, Joe, there's probably going to be CB9. It's where it's, we're going to work our way that that's what's happening in the research right now, but we certainly know CB1, CB2. We know ligands, anandamide, 2-AG. We know that these bind and do something. We know that there's enzymes that activate and deactivate these ligands. I want to deal with a doctor that understands this, and they're out there. There are great doctors across this country that understand this, and they're learning all the time. And, you know, at the same time, if someone wants to do self-research, there's a website that I really recommend. It's called projectcbd.org. Okay. Oh. This is a great website if you want to learn about cannabis, cannabinoids, and things like that. It's, it's, it's one of my go-to resources. There are volumes and volumes and volumes of research and writing and books in this area that if you want to learn, you can. Any healthcare professional that takes the step back and says, oh, cannabis is schedule one, it's illegal, I don't deal with it. You know what? I want to find a different doctor. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Okay, Don. So let's get into your company. Uh, you know, what do you guys do? Why do you think it's good? And then how can people find you and it? And, um, and, and we can wrap up. So I work for a company called Longevity Labs. Uh, we have two product uh, directions. One's called Spermidine Life. We could probably spend another hour talking about spermidine, the role of autophagy, its role in health, and 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 let me know if you're interested in that. Yeah, I, I totally am. And in fact, I've been chasing this down, and I've been, uh, you know, I, I've been hearing about bioavailability is tough with it, and I've been trying to get it through supplementation of like uh, wheat germ and chlorella. The challenge with is this is that. The spermidine, so I, I, I'm lucky enough to work for a company called Longevity Labs, whose founder was Dr. Frank Medeo, who's one of the leading researchers worldwide on spermidine and cellular autophagy. Okay. This guy's in Austria. He's brilliant. He's done great work, and it's been fun to be part of this organization. But our, the spermidine that we sell comes from Europe. It's, it comes from wheat germ in Europe. We have not been able to find wheat germ in the United States that's spermidine rich enough for us to extract it from, okay? So we know there's a difference between wheat in the United States and wheat in Europe. We know that. And I'm not sure it's possible 
to get effective spermidine levels from food that's grown industrially in this country. I'm not sure it's possible. We do know people who garden. We do know, you know, there's a thing called blue zones. Five places around the world where people routinely live to 90 and 100 years old. They have their own gardens. They don't, they don't eat industrially produced food. Okay. This is an important part. Um, so your ability even to walk into Whole Foods and buy mushrooms and hard cheese, it may, it still may not be in there. So, but again, spermidine, that's a, that's a whole nother discussion, but we launched another brand called Mode and Method. Um, the website is www.modemethod.com, modemethod.com. And that's where you'll find the HRV plus product because, because of American laws, we can't market a cannabis product. We have, we have different rules for marketing cannabis products than we do for marketing our spermidine life products. So if you want to learn more about mode method and HRV plus, go to modemethod.com. Our social feed's pretty good. Um, my social media ma- uh, does a really nice job in modemethod.com. You know, search for that on, in your social. But that's where you can learn. And if you want to learn more about Spermidine Life, Spermidine, Spermidine Life, SpermidineLife.us. I got it. Are you restricted from telling me what's in the HRV improvement product? No. So it's a combination of a hemp extract that has been bumped so that our CBD, our CBDA, and our beta caryophylline are in there all in equal parts. We, th- I think that's important. But the next step of this is we put this in a fish oil, carrier oil. Most people put cannabis products into co- into a coconut oil. Uh. We put it into a DHA EPA rich fish oil, which also has what's called specialized pro-resolving mediators, SPMs. These are the biologically available molecules that resolve inflammation. Huh. So we found a lab in Spain. I love SPMs. SPMs are a wonderful tool. And if you have an athlete that's competing, SPM should be in your medicine cabinet. When we were designing this product, I said, listen, I want the SPMs in there. And um, so we created this product that's this hemp oil extract with a known amount of CBD, CBDA, beta-caryophylline with this fish oil, DHA, EPA with SPMs all combined. Now, we are getting ready to, um, we're getting ready to do our next run. When we do our next run, we're going to do a run that will be pure THC free. There's, we're using a hemp extract. So there is a chance there's a small amount of THC in the product. Uh-huh. Very small. But I have some first responders and some tactical people that they drug test and they just can't risk a positive test. And I don't blame them. Sure. So we're going to create a version. Um, athletes typically don't have this problem. WADA, USADA, most of them have moved away from testing for cannabis. But for, uh, first responders, warriors, people like that, they're still they're still being tested. So keep your eyes open. Again, follow our social. When it's ready, we'll we'll definitely announce it. But we're going to do a version that's that I guarantee will be THC free. I just can't make that guarantee with the product right now. Okay. Uh, and I guess it's got to be under some small threshold to be legal. Um, exactly. So that, but it could have a little bit in there. Yeah. Hemp, can't the cannabis laws. So the term hemp is a term that's applied to cannabis that has less than 0.3% THC. That's what hemp means. So we use a hemp extract for this. Um, and so there could be a very small amount of THC in there. 
All right, well, I'm, I'm very tempted. I think I'm going to have to give this a try and, and see what my sleep monsters, how they respond. Let me help you with that a little bit. Why don't we create a coupon code that will be called, um, you know, call it WISE15? Yeah, so that, that sounds great. If someone wants to try the product, then go to Mode Method. You can use WISE15 on the, the, the purchase of a, of a bottle of HRV plus. But the other thing that we have is that we have created sample packs. So if you just want to try this, you can go in and get a sample pack. It's like 12, we call them beans, 12 uh, gel caps. Mm -hmm. We sell them for a dollar. By the time you pay for freight, it's, it's like eight fifty or nine bucks. If you want to try it, you're going to spend less than 10 bucks. You're going to have three or four days worth of product and you're going to figure out if it works for you. That sounds great. Who could say no? Don, thank you very much, sir. This has been very interesting, very educational, very compelling. It is my pleasure, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your tribe. Great. Well, hey, enjoy Oregon. I'll be in touch. Have a great day. Thanks. Night. Enjoy Asheville. I will. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening in to our chat with Don Moxley of Longevity Labs. You can find more information about Don and his CBDA product in the show notes. And be sure to use discount code WISE15, that's W-I-S-E number one, number five, if you want to see if his product can help you to relax and recover the way you used to be able to do.